welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. We know there's uh, hundreds and maybe even, I mean, not definitely, even thousands of options out there. So I appreciate you choosing us. Today, we're going to get after, uh, you know, the, the last couple have been a more uh, current event type things, but today is going to be more of a theory and application type thing. Uh, we are going to be talking about relationship foundations, and this stems from uh, a, an increase in my clinical work uh, in which I have noticed uh, people are struggling relationally in, in pairs, like uh, with couples, or they've got a strained relationship. And as the holidays are approaching, I was thinking, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to put out there a foundations uh, you know, podcast that can help people. So we're going to do that today. Uh, you know, this culture that we live in right now often seems to forget one super basic core element, or maybe it doesn't forget. Maybe, you know, our, our culture is just, you know, unwilling to recognize the reality that we are relational and relationships hurt people and heal people. And at the end of the day, even though there's hurt, in order to do the healing, we've got to go to people. So the the need is there. It's not a want. It's a need. There's some uh, research that was done. I know I'm sidestepping a tiny bit already. Uh, I get off of my plan sometimes, and that's one of these ones. But it just I just remembered uh, uh, this this research that was done uh, in an orphanage. They thought uh, the, the the premise was this. The babies were not having great attachments with their adoptive parents. And they were trying to solve that problem. Like, how do we get babies to attach really well to their adoptive parents? And so they did this thing, uh, and it backfired big time. They thought, maybe if we just don't ever physically touch the baby until the adoption goes through and the first ones that spend any time physically touching the baby are the adoptive parents, that there will be a, a better attachment. We will have less reactive attachment disorders coming out of it. We will have better bonding and all of that stuff. And so in theory, it sounded kind of intriguing to a lot of people. Well, they did the research because they tested this. And unfortunately, uh, they ended up having to stop the, uh, the, the assessment because what ended up happening was babies started to die. It wasn't because they were not you know, given food. It wasn't because they were not given water. It wasn't because they were not, uh, you know, in a warm and safe environment. It was literally the only thing that had shifted was they were not getting physical affection of any kind. 
and they literally started to die. So they had to stop the experiment and move on. Uh, it's never been tempted again, to my knowledge, at least, you know, not publicly has, has it ever been acknowledged that it was attempted again, uh, nor do I think it would be good because the truth is we're relational. And what we're doing in a situation like that is taking care of all the biological needs, but we are not just biological. We are uh, emotional and spiritual beings by nature. Therefore, without that, not necessarily just physical, but a form of love, that, that comfort, we do begin to wither and die. We have seen this in other more extreme situations where, you know, maybe somebody was kidnapped and, and, and put uh, in a, a detained in a place where they, they couldn't get physical affection. They, they do age differently. Um, and that's obviously that's a, that's a problem. So with that in mind, setting the foundation here for we are relational, I want to talk about the components of a relationship. When we engage in a relationship, and remember again, I've said this before, uh, but I can't emphasize this enough. Some people, two or three, four or five, you know, seven or eight relationships is sufficient. For some people, they need more. They might need two or three deep relationships, but they they have this social need to have 15 or 20 friends that they, they interact with in the community routinely. Uh, that it depends on the person. So, you know, if you're more of a two or three kind of a person, then be that. Don't change who you are uh, to try to fit somebody else's idea. If you are a, you know, I need, you know, 10 or 15, you know, more or less superficial relationships, those encounters, those, they're friendships, they're real friendships, but they're just not the depth. And I just need one or two uh, real deep relationships, those people who know me well. Uh, you know, both kinds are important. You know, we need a world with, you know, diversity like that. So keep that in mind. I'm going to go over the components of a relationship. There is one, one component of a relationship that builds, ev everything is built on, everything. And that word for you is trust. When trust erodes, relationships die. When trust is built, relationships succeed. It is that simple. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course that's that simple. Well, the next question then is, what builds trust? And what erodes trust? That's what we're going to get to. So what builds trust? There's two components to building trust. I know you're going, wait a minute. Everybody says this stuff is super complicated. There's thousands of books on relationship structure and relationship building. And look, I'm going to break it down for you and keep it really simple. Effective communication and truth. Think about it. What destroys relationships? Lies, secrets, and deception. It's all about effective communication and truth. Lie, secrets, and deception destroy effective communication and truth, one or the other or both. Lies, secrets, and deceptions have always ruined relationships. Therefore, anything that prevents lies, secrets, and deceptions, effective communication and truth, is how you build trust. 
Now there's, you know, you're, you're going to be like, well, yeah, but I mean, how do you build real deep relationships? Well, you choose to have effective communication and truth at a deeper level. It just means you're going to tell them more and you're going to, you know, make sure that you're more nuanced in your, uh, your, your, your communication and your truth telling nuanced, meaning, you know, some people you're going to tell the truth. Yeah, I wasn't feeling good. Other people, you're going to tell a different layer of truth, which with effective communication. Yeah, I wasn't feeling good because I had this and this and this going on. And it was really affecting the way I felt, the way I uh, thought, and, you know, and that affected everything around me, right? So one is superficial, the other one is more deep, but both are effective communication and truth. They are going to build trust. It's just going to be at different levels. Okay. Why is this so difficult then? If we can say relationships are all built on the foundation of trust, and there's effective communication and truth that builds trust, then why do we struggle so much? Why do we suck so much at this? Well, that's a great question. We're going to break it down for you in the next few minutes. Uh, Again, you've got your back buttons. If you want to catch more, go back and listen again. Uh, But it's not, it's complicated and not complicated. So we're going to break down communication first, right? What what creates communication challenges? You have a sender and a receiver and a message. That's communication. Sender and a receiver and a message. If you've got a sender but no receiver, it's not communication. Communication requires at minimum of two. It has to be at least two or it's not communication. You've got a sender and a receiver And here's where it starts to get a little tricky. The sender can become the receiver and the receiver can become the sender. Notice that creates a potential pitfall. Well, I thought I was the receiver, but you were hoping that I was the sender. So I was listening and paying attention, but what you really wanted was interaction and I missed that part. (laughs) Okay, so mistakes inherently start coming in right at the base of the foundation, which is sender, receiver of communication. And then there's the message. Well, the message can have uh, a behavior associated with it. The message can have nonverbals. It could have paraverbals, tone, volume, cadence. It can have all kinds of mistakes in there. Not only that, but it can have outside noise interfering. So now we've got a sender issue, a receiver issue, and now we have a noise issue. Holy smokes, this is getting really complicated. Yeah, it does. But the concept isn't that complicated. And so when we, on purpose, slow down to effectively communicate on purpose, we can usually navigate all of these potential pitfalls so far. And now, remember, (laughs) this is really, really important. With pitfalls being everywhere, they're with the sender, they're with the receiver, they're with the message, they're with the noise that interferes with the message. If pitfalls are everywhere, then that means 
A stumble can happen just about anywhere. It could be your fault or my fault. When I, when I do communication lessons, I, I, I like to do this thing where I say, okay, so communication broke down. Whose fault is it? Well, I mean, they didn't send a very clear message. Uh-huh. And uh, the other person can say, well, they, they misinterpreted what I said. Like they, they took it out of context. Uh-huh. Anytime there's a breakdown in communication. Now, this is going to be news to some of you. But as I sit here with you right now telling you this, I am telling you I have seen this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Anytime there is a breakdown in communication, it is the responsibility of both the sender and receiver. Both made mistakes. Why? Because if the message seemed super clear, did you check to make sure it was as clear as you thought? If the message was sent and it was super clear and you saw something going on that confused you because it's like, wait a minute, did you not even listen to me? Maybe we start with, did you not hear it correctly? The way that I intended it, right? We make mistakes and remember the mistake might not be on the sender or receiver. There is that category of outside noise, other factors that interfere with the message being clear. And yet we typically go to let's blame, let's accuse, let's justify. Totally unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary most of the time. Now there are times where people are just rude, evil, uh, horrible people, and they mess it up on purpose. You're going to see that in the world, unfortunately. And that adds to the confusion. Remember, that's noise. That's noise. You know, one evil person can get 10 really good, well-meaning people to question all of their relationships. It's noise. It's just noise. And yes, those people are out there. Pay attention. Um, you know, they're, they, they're going to be in your pathway at some point. And don't let that noise discourage you from doing this really, really well. Let's add one more factor in there, just because I want to make sure that this gets noted for you. This gets infinitely more difficult when you add a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth person, and so on, to the equation. Because two people may communicate very differently than three, four, and five. So you have all of these nuances, and you have multiple perspectives, senders and receivers, and so it gets infinitely more complicated when you add more people. That doesn't mean don't add more people. Sometimes that energy that's created is wonderful and beautiful. So don't be afraid of it, but just know it is infinitely more complicated when you add more people. All right, so let's move on to truth. Even when we are trying to get the truth perfectly, mistakes are going to happen. Those are not necessarily lies. The story goes, there are three blind people and an elephant. The elephant stands there and is very, very tame, very calm. And 
each blind person is put at a different location on the elephant. One at the trunk, one at the leg, and one at the tail. They are asked to describe the elephant. Now, everybody else that's watching this happen can see clearly that this elephant is an elephant. It is one animal, much like one truth. But the blind people, they can't see the whole animal. They can only experience the part that is right in front of them, the tail, the leg, or the trunk. And they all describe very different experiences. Are any of them telling a lie? No, they are not. And in a world filled with lies, this, I know, can be difficult to tell. And sometimes, I would even venture out there, much of the time, maybe even most of the time, people are trying to tell the truth. Now, that's not always the case. I get it. So I don't want to mislead you and make you think higher of people than they deserve. And yet, most of the time, people are they're attempting to tell the truth as they see it. And they might see it different than you and me. Does that mean they're liars? No, not necessarily. It means they can't see the whole picture clearly. Well, guess what? Neither can you and I. We try. And some people are much better than others at zooming out and taking a big picture view. And then going in and doing that small picture detailed work. And then zooming out and taking a big picture view. And the ones who can do that and navigate that well, you know, you're the leaders. You're the leaders. Because there's other people who just do not have the ability to zoom out. If they're put in front of the tail, all they experience is the tail. Their heads are down and that's, that's just all they can experience. They cannot fathom zooming out and seeing the big picture. And they require, unfortunately, leaders. Well, if we give them good leaders, then they do great things. And if we give them crappy leaders, well, they do crappy things. Okay, so even when we're trying to tell the truth in every way possible, mistakes will happen because we have blind spots, things we cannot see. So let me highlight real quick that expectations are one of the issues with trust. If we expect others to see it our way, then truth is going to be distorted. They, they may or may not be able to see it our way. That's why we agree or disagree at times. And if they can't see it our way, does that mean I'm right and they're wrong? Not necessarily. There are truths and untruths, right? There are fantasies and reality. And sometimes people, they see fantasies and they perceive them as realities. Is that a distortion? Absolutely, which leads us to the next part. But don't be confused. There are truths. There is reality in spite of the fantasy you may want to believe. And yet, it's the expectation that's causing us the issue. The expectation that they can see it exactly how I see it. When it comes to distortions, um, we're, we're going to have different views. Think back to that elephant story. Sometimes we get a picture in our mind and the next time we come up on something that looks, feels, and smells like, we assume 
more quickly that it is. And it could be, I don't know, a different animal. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you had a really docile tame rhinoceros and you put somebody at the leg of the rhinoceros that was blind, they might actually say, I don't know, it feels like a short elephant. But in fact, it's a totally different animal. So yes, it could be lies. It could be secrets and deceptions. It could just be misunderstanding, which a lot of times it is. So those distortions, those distortions of reality. Look, I, I can't project my view as though it is reality. Truth is, I've got a whole lot of podcasts out there. I guarantee there's mistakes in there. I guarantee it. Matter of fact, I, not too long ago, a couple months ago, I did a podcast because I made a massive mistake in the previous podcast. I specifically highlighted the mistake and did a podcast about it. It's important that you know that because that doesn't mean I was telling lies, keeping secrets, being deceptive on purpose. But there is something that happens when we tell truths as we see them and find out that they're not true. It's called we own it. When we do that, look, we don't want, I don't want covers, cover-ups for lies. That's, that is, uh, it's, it's piling lies on lies. But people do genuinely make mistakes. And people who genuinely own their mistakes are people who are living truth and are going to build trust. See how that works? I hope you're seeing this. So if I make a mistake, the mistake is not the problem. I mean, it may cause some issues, but it's how I respond after the mistake that dictates whether I'm trustworthy or not trustworthy. Why do you think so many people are irritated with a lot of politicians? Because this whole doubling down garbage. Well, I uh, made a mistake and so I'm going to double down and make a bigger mistake. Like, what? Like, stop. You're not that important. You're just not. You're not that important. You know, tell the truth the moment you realize the truth. And people will be forgiving more often than not. It may take some time. It may take some reconciliation, some repair work, but you'll walk away being somebody who is trusted. Maybe takes a few years, but you will walk away being somebody who is trusted. Make mistakes. That's okay. Genuine, authentic, real mistakes that you didn't mean to make. That's okay. So this is a therapeutic podcast. So what do you do with all of this? I'll break it down for you. There's six things to do. Like these are the to-do list, all right? So, you know, for those of you who are listening in your car, when you get home, jot these things down. They're not complicated. Number one, know that mistakes will happen. That creates, for you and for them, know that mistakes will happen. And sometimes the mistake will happen in spite of you and them trying to not make mistakes. Keep that in mind because that creates space for grace. The idea of, of being able to say, you know, I mean, this is just a mistake. Sometimes accidents occur. Number two, know where your pitfalls are so you can carve a path through the obstacles without hitting your own pitfalls. 
Number three, know where their pitfalls are. Care enough about them. Love them enough to know where their likely pitfalls are going to come. And then you, as the sender or receiver, can help navigate that before it's a problem. It's called proactive. That's a good thing. Number four, lean into challenges when they arise. Running away is fear. It's not a long-term solution. So we got to lean into that. We got to say, hey, look, this, this, I don't know that this came across right. I, there's a good chance I screwed this up. But he, let me tell you what, what, what I, I really stand for. And let me tell you how I really feel about you. And clear it up. Don't wait. Don't try to brush it under the carpet. Lean into it. Number five, no wavering on the truth. That means not small things, not big things. There's no justification. Well, I may never see them again, so telling them a lie doesn't matter. And that's not true. You're either a truth teller or you are not. It is that simple. Don't waver on the truth. Because if you don't waver on the truth, when you make mistakes and you own them, people will believe you again. They will. They'll come around and they'll believe you again. And number six. And this is a safety issue. Make sure you set boundaries to ensure truth in all of your relationships. And be really clear about it. Look, if if you can't tell me the truth, I'm just going to have to love you from a distance. We're not going to be able to be very close. If you tell me the truth at all times, I can love you much closer. I can keep you close because you're showing me that you're a relationship worth having close. So it's either I love you close because it's trustworthy, it's built on truth and effective communication, or I love you from a distance because either you're unwilling or unable to communicate effectively and tell truth. There you go. That is the, the Relationship Foundations 101. I hope this was uh, understandable and simple enough, and yet I hope it challenges you. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives. Make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 